Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. If you have been someone who really just wants to like get it together, like, like I just need to get this together. I'm sick of being sick and tired. I'm sick of feeling down in the dumps. I'm sick of being out of control of my emotions. I'm sick of struggling with the same things week after week. And and I know what I need to do, but I'm not doing it. And I feel like crap and I don't know why. And we're like living in this circle. We're just kind of stuck in this circle and in this pattern. And I just know that you're in good company. <laughs> For one, you're not crazy. That's the biggest thing that you need to know. You're not crazy. You're not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with you you are what most people are. You're the majority of the world, sadly. And I promise you with everything that I have, there is hope for you to get out. There is hope for you to live a different life, to finally get out and to be out for good. Like to not all of a sudden you're sucked back in and you're, you're fighting this back and forth. And, and when you first decide like, okay, I need to change my life. Something needs to change. I can't keep doing this. And you're in this really deep, isolated state. I just spoke to someone yesterday who is in like the deepest hole in the valley. And she's like, she's finally realizing like, I am know where I am now. Like I am in a bad place. I understand that now because admitting is the first step. So that's the first thing you have to do is think like I'm there. And then you start doing these things to get out of it. And then all of a sudden you're right back there again. And I remember, and there's even me on these podcast episodes recording this saying, I don't know if you can actually get out and stay out because for the last year and a half, I've been trying to get out and stay out and I haven't been able to stay out. And then I got to a point where I was out and I did have days where I kind of slipped back into isolation or, you know, just kind of fell off. I for sure have days like that. But what happens is that I'm so aware now that when anything is off, it doesn't take me a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks. It doesn't take me a long time to realize it's usually like one day and I'm like, okay, hold on. Something's off here. Like, what is this that's off and how can I change this? So awareness is is huge. I wrote it on my calendar last month, really big at the top on my fridge, because I'm trying to focus on being aware of my finances right now, because I realize that when I'm aware, I don't screw up as bad as what I'm not aware. When I can write down everything I'm spending money on and communicate with my family of everything we're doing, we save way more money at the end of the week, just because we're aware. So the goal here isn't to stay out of the valley. The goal isn't to try to stay out of the valley because it's impossible to do it on your own. The goal is to be aware of what's happening and how you feel, to learn to love yourself and to realize that the way that you're feeling is actually a warning sign to your body that something is off. It's like your brain warning your soul, like, hold on, there's something off. Or you can even say it's your soul warning your brain, like, red flag, what's going on? I don't feel fulfilled anymore. I don't feel excited. I don't feel passionate. And because you don't feel that way, you're not prioritizing the things that you need to. So for me, I've been on this journey over the last couple of weeks where God has really opened my eyes and showed me that less is more. And that's actually the title of this episode. And I can't believe we're on episode 90 already. But this is something that an old mentor of mine used to tell me all the time. And it was so annoying. Like Every time he said this, it was like nails on a chalkboard where I'm like, I don't get it. And I don't think less is more. And he would always tell me, Taryn, less is more, less is more. And I never really understood it until a couple of weeks ago 
when I started praying that God would help me with my finances, because it's something I've always tried to deal with on my own. And because of how I was raised and because of my habits I've had for 33 years, it was really hard to change. And it created a lot of tension in my life and in my marriage and in my family, because my husband and I are completely different. I'm the spender. I'm, you know, just the over the top. I want it. I buy it. My husband is like, let's research it forever. And if we find the best price somewhere, I'm like, we don't even have time, just buy it. And so over time, I have gotten a little bit better and he's gotten a little uh, looser, <laughs> his reins loosened a little. And we've kind of gotten into the middle, into this average, but I know that I need to change. And so I started praying every single day that God would change me when it comes to the way that I view money. And what happened, I was just hoping that he would change the way that I spend money. And my prayer was that God would help me to desire less things that cost money. That was my prayer. Like, because I really, I've said this a million times when I was making a bunch of money and I would get these huge checks. I didn't want to live a life where I was spending three, $4,000 on a purse, or I was, you know, spending this huge chunk of money at one time. What I wanted money for was freedom to be able to like nickel and dime things. And it's fine. Like I can stop and get a coffee. I can run into target and buy a couple things that I like. I can get the extra things at a grocery store. I can get the organic food because I can afford it. I can, you know, run into TJ Maxx and decide that I want this new sweater or this new planner or, you know, all these little things that's like $5, $10, $20, $30, $5, like all of this in my bank account. This is really what I wanted. But when I looked at the end of the week, I was blowing all this money on literally nothing. Like, yeah, I wanted a coffee and I felt like I deserved a coffee. Like I can deserve to buy a big B coffee. I can deserve to do this. And well, at the time it was Starbucks. I no longer contribute to Starbucks in any way, shape or form because of their stand on abortion. But anyway, <laughs> um, I really just thought that God was going to change me and stop desiring these little nickel and dime rewards, if you will. And what he actually did was change a lot of the things that I view and think that I need and want. Like I shared before how we wanted to build this massive dream home. And now I don't want to build that. Now I like have no interest in building this massive home. And that's only a bit, a couple of weeks that God's changed me because he's showing me that less is more. You don't need more of stuff. And what we're doing is we're living in a culture where everyone is saying, you need more, you need more, you need to do more, you need to have more, you need to be more, you're not enough, keep going, get more, get more, get more. And it's exhausting us. And it's causing us to be sick and it's causing us to miss out on important opportunities and it's causing this emotional turmoil and chaos in our lives. We're not even realizing that it's all stemming from the fact that we live in a culture that's telling you more, 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 more. And your body is like, no, less, less. We don't, we're tired. We're overwhelmed. We can't do it. Less, less. And you know what I found really interesting is that God tells us to do less. Jesus tells us to do less. And in fact, we can't even be saved by the works that we do. We're saved by grace alone so that no one can boast. It's not about how hard you work towards something. And the world has this so backwards. So it's really hard to stop the brainwashing happening in our own brains because we're raised up in this world. It's this limiting belief. It's this fake way of doing things that actually is the opposite. And I have experienced this firsthand and maybe you have too, where you've worked and worked and worked and worked so hard towards something and you didn't see the result that you wanted to see. And you're like, how come I'm not getting to this place or how come I'm not being successful? And in fact, you'll probably say that you feel a lot worse. And it's because the world says, because the devil is in a lot of our ears, telling us you can do it yourself. You don't need God. You can do this. You can work hard, sacrifice. You can do it. Work more, work more. Because the more you work, the less, and I don't just mean work like you have a nine to five 
and you're working your job or you work the midnight shift or you're working. I'm not talking work like career. I'm talking work like the stuff that you have to do, like make dinner, grocery shop, clean your house, decorate for holidays, uh, buy gifts for holidays. You know, Christmas is right around the corner. I'm already like making lists for my kids and figuring all this out. It's all of these extra things that you're like, Taryn, I have to do these things. Like if I don't make the list in grocery shop, there is no one in my house that's going to do this. And there's a difference between prioritizing what needs to be done and being super busy all the time. And our culture actually glorifies this. And when people at, pay attention to this, when you ask people, how are you? People say busy, like it's a badge of honor. Like, how have you been? Oh, I've been good. Busy. I've been really busy. I've been good though. How have you been? People are saying they're so busy all the time because they are. And there are seven signs that I want to share with you that you're doing too much. And this is really good because you're going to be able to relate and kind of make a mental checklist of, is this me or is this not me? And this will tell you if you're someone who's struggling in this area where you're just doing too much. And the before I get into what the seven signs are, this was happening to me. I didn't realize these were the seven signs, but this is what was happening to me and why I canceled both of my calls last week because I just was feeling really behind in life. I could not get over this sickness. I don't know if it was COVID or a cold or bronchitis or whatever it was. I don't ever go to the doctor, so I don't know. But it, I was just so sick and I could not get over being sick. I've been sick for like three and a half weeks and I'm so sick of it. Like I'm just blowing my nose and coughing and coughing and coughing and I'm just exhausted. My emotions just felt all over the place. And... I knew that I needed to just take some time off. I have been in a state where I'm saying yes a lot. And I'm in a season where I'm building a new ministry at my church. And so we're working a lot. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're planning. We're, we're recruiting a team. We're, we're very busy in this season. And I just knew in my spirit, I needed a week to just be still. And during the week, I tried as hard as I could to say no to things that weren't a priority that week, which to me were spending time with God. That was my number one priority and spending time with my family. And so if it took away from either of those things, the answer was no, or I scheduled it for the following week, this week right now. And I try to push as many things as I could so that I could have a relaxing week with God and with my family. I wanted to read a lot. I wanted to pray a lot. I wanted to journal a lot. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to listen to sermons. And I heard this quote that said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And it really just stuck with me because I pray all the time that God and angels surround me and protect me and my family from physical harm, emotional harm, spiritual harm. I am constantly praying away the attacks of the devil. And I do my very best to stay plugged into my community of Christ followers and people that are going to influence me in the right way. And so I think I do really good with keeping the devil out of my life. But when I read this, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, this is me. The devil is making me busy because if he can get behind you and push you, he doesn't have to get in front of you in the path and stop you in your tracks. He just gets behind you and just pushes you. And this is a very real thing that he does. And it's so sneaky and he's so under the radar that you don't even feel him behind you, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. Now, if you have trauma and you have hurt and you have baggage and all these things from when you were younger and you don't feel like you can be loved and you feel like you're worthless, maybe you've had abuse in your life, or you've been abandoned, you know, whatever's happened to you previously also changes the way you do things. So for me, because I was abandoned, I needed approval of people. I needed people to want me, to like me, to desire a friendship with me, to 
adore me because I was missing that as I grew up and I wanted that so bad. So I would become a people pleaser and I would just say, yes, 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 yes. Because I thought saying yes to everyone would make me likable. Like, oh, she always says, yes. She always picks up the tab. She always goes out to eat with us. She always is watching my kids. She's always available for the phone. She's always doing these things. And what happens is we become so available to other people. We no longer have time to do what's important to us. And what is a priority to us. So the seven signs that you're doing too much, the number one sign is your emotions are out of control. So you're irritable, depressed, overwhelmed. Those are all signs that something isn't right. But your out of control emotions often affect the crazy amount of demands that you make on yourselves because you're not rationally thinking. So don't ever take advice from someone who is not in their right mind. That's also yourself. And I talk about that in my book, your own emotions right now, if they're all over the place, they're very unstable. This might be caused from hormones because you're going through your cycle for the month. It might be caused from something that has nothing to do with hormones. Maybe you're triggered, you're overwhelmed. It's a sign that something is wrong. Okay. So if you're angry and you're just snapping on everyone in your family and you're crying uncontrollable and you just are like a switch that at any second, something can go crazy. You know, you're feeling crazy. You know, you're being irrational. You're overthinking, you're overanalyzing. You're just in the valley. This is a sign that you're in the valley. These, all of these signs are really a sign that you're in the valley as well, but you're in the valley specifically because you're too busy. So if your emotions feel out of check lately and out of control, you should do everything in your power to stop your emotions and to neutralize them. And the best thing that I have found to neutralize my emotions, well, number one, you have to be aware of them. Like, okay, I just probably need some alone time. And that's what I tell my family. I need alone time. Please do not bother me. And they know, like, do not bother mom. We want her to have alone time. Like, do not go in her room. Do not try to talk to her because I just keep saying, no, please respect my boundaries. I said, I need alone time. Please give me alone time. And I respect that for my children too. And my daughter, who's four, will say, mom, I need alone time. And I'll say, okay, where would you like to have alone time? You can have alone time in your room. You can have alone time in my room. You can have alone time outside. And I give her some things. You can have alone time. You need to do that. So you can say that. And if you've never said that before and set boundaries, you can do that at any moment and say, you know what, family, we're going to start this new thing. When you're feeling like you're off with your emotions, you're not in a good mood. All you have to say is I need alone time and you are excused and you're allowed to go be alone. No one's going to bother you. No one's going to talk to you. They don't get alone time for eight hours. You know, you don't just get to check out and do whatever you want. You can have alone time for 20, 30 minutes and reset yourself. Now, another thing that's been amazing for me to reset my emotions is taking a nap. Like it is the best way. And it is Sometimes I use it as my last resort because I feel like I can't take a nap. I feel guilty to take a nap. I have so much to do. My husband's working so hard and I'm just at home napping. You know, the guilt and the shooting all over yourself, as Tony Robbins says, you're just like, I should be doing this. I should be cleaning. I should be doing this. No, you really should be taking a nap because if you're not emotionally in the right place, it doesn't matter if you check off some of the things on your to-do list, you're not in a good, healthy mindset. You're not in a good, healthy place. You're not really helping anybody and you're not making good choices. So even if you sit down to work, like I have so much stuff to do, I have to work. I can't take a 20 minute nap. I have to do this stuff. You're going to sit down. You're going to be so irritated. Your perspective is going to be off because of the emotional lens you're looking through. Everything is irritating. Everyone is irritating and it's actually not them. It's you. You're perceiving people to be irritating. And, and I noticed this, uh, the only time that I get irritated with my four-year-old is when my hormones are off and I'm around my cycle. And I know that because I just don't have the patience for her anymore. And I'll say things or I'll snap or I'll be like, just, can you please just give me some space? And I don't ever act like that when I'm not in that emotion. So you cannot just power through. The world says just power through, get your stuff done. No, take a nap. Take a 20 minute nap and it neutralizes your emotion and you'll wake up and you might wake up and still feel the same and that's okay, but it's going to interrupt what you're doing and it is going to make a change whether you feel it right then or not. 
but you cannot take advice from yourself when you're not in your right mind. So if your emotions are out of control, it's a sign that you're overstimulated. There's too much going on. Number two is poor self-care. So one of the things that I do, and I'm sure a lot of you do, is we reach for convenience because we have so much work to do and we don't have time. So therefore we don't practice self-care. One of the best things to practice self-care is eating healthy. You put good stuff in the tank and the machine runs great. Out of convenience, we don't have time. So I'm just going to eat a Snickers. I'm just going to stop and get Taco Bell for lunch because I don't even have time to think about that. I don't even have time to order groceries, get groceries and do all of this stuff. I don't even have time. So it's just this constant, like, I don't have time. So you eat like crap. You make fast meals for dinner that aren't healthy. You're making things out of a can, out of boxes because it's just so quick, but that's not taking good care of yourself. Now I'm not saying you have to eat all organic, fresh food all the time, no process, nothing, because that's unrealistic and it can be made if that's your priority and your passion, but you can take care of yourself without being to the extreme level. And of course, you know, everything in moderation, but if you're not eating healthy because you don't have time, because you're so busy, you're going to feel it. Your body is going to start breaking down. You're going to be fatigued. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be irritated. When I eat fast food, I feel so nauseous and so tired after that to me, it's not even worth it anymore to eat fast food because I don't want the rest of that. I know that I'm going to come home and feel like total crap and have a headache and just want to take a nap. And I have stuff I need to do. I need to take care of myself. So you think it's convenient and faster, but it's actually slowing you down. It's actually making things even harder for you to work. Another way that you can be really lacking in your self-care is instead of doing the things that you need to do for yourself, like working out or going on a walk, moving your body, stretching, um, you know, doing any kind of workout class, or maybe just taking a shower, getting yourself ready. Instead, you're escaping online. You're focused on everyone else's life. And all you're doing is comparing yourself to this person. So now instead of taking care of yourself, you're actually doing even more damage to yourself because you're just scrolling online. And if you're a creator online like me, it's really dangerous to scroll online because you're not only comparing people's lives and what they're wearing and how they look and how they talk, but now you're comparing all of their good ideas. Like, wow, they're so creative. They always make the best reels. They always have the best points. They always look at all their likes they have. Look at how many views are on this. Look at their bio. Look at what they have created. And you start like obsessing over this person online when you're now you're just like sabotaging yourself. You know, you're making it so bad. The average American spends 3.5 hours a day on social media. 3.5 hours a day. That is a lot of time. And then the more I talk about social media and the obsessiveness that people have, the more I get messages on Instagram telling me how addicted people are to their phones and help my, how do I help my husband put his phone down? And it's robbing our time. Like in my house, you are not allowed to be on your phone. If you are with the family, like you're just not like put the phone down and be focused on what's happening here. You're, and my husband is super addicted to Facebook and he's trying to break it right now. He was addicted to Instagram. He deleted Instagram. And now he uses Facebook for work. So he still needs it, but he finds himself just like scrolling. Like yesterday we're laying in bed and my two daughters are in bed with us and it's in the morning before church and before we made breakfast and we're laying in there and I'm on my phone. I was doing some stuff. I was catching up on some messages and stuff for people that I needed to message for church. And he was on his phone and my two girls are literally just laying in bed, staring at the ceiling. And I look over and him and I are both just like <laughs> on our phones. And I was like, okay, what are we doing? Like, let's put our phones down. Are you serious right now? Like we have this mo a Sunday morning when we're in bed with our daughters, like, and they're just sitting there like bored and we're totally checked out and focused on another family. We're focused on another person's life. We're focused on other things too much than people that are in our own home. And that's not being a good role model either, because now you're showing your kids that this is okay to do. 
So kids that are growing up in this environment, grandchildren, children that are seeing this are like, oh, well, this is what my parents do. So this is what I should do. You can have time on social media and you can have time to listen to podcasts and sermons and all this stuff that you want to do. But just be mindful that you're being a good role model and you're giving the people the time in your life, you're prioritizing them, which is what I'm going to talk about in a minute. But number three is illness. And I intentionally, this is put after self-care because a lack of self-care turns into illness, this chronic illness. And this is where I realized that this is where I was. I like realizing this is what made me cancel my week is I'm so busy. I can't get well. I'm always sick. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you're stressed, when you're busy, you're stressed. That's what happens with your body. Like if you become super aware, you'll start to realize the tension in your body. So like when you're running late and you're driving a car, just pay attention to that energy that's inside of you. This like crazy like energy, like get out of my way. And you like your whole body is tense. Your whole body is tight. When you're running late and you're stressed out, your whole body is tight like this. It's producing high amounts of adrenaline because your brain is like, oh gosh, okay, okay, we got this. Let me help you. And it's it's exhausting you because you can't live in a state of high stress forever. Your stress hormones go through the roof. It starts affecting all kinds of stuff in your body. It actually is proven that when you have high amounts of stress, your body starts producing high amounts of acid and it starts ruining your joints. It starts creating this muscle fatigue. All of these autoimmune diseases literally because you're living in this constant state of stress. You need to just, like that's how anxiety and worry is too. And I explained that to my daughter when she was going through this point, I told her, I said, look at your body right now. You're like, you're so stressed. You're like all tight and tense. And I'm like, you just got to like, and like, let it, your energy just leave and just like relax all your muscles in your body. Next time you're running late and you're driving your car like that, just take a deep breath. And like, I'm going to get there at the same time whether I'm stressed out and tense and angry at all the slow people in front of me or I'm not. And you have a choice where you can change that in your body with just your mind, deciding, being aware, and then deciding, I'm not going to do this. Okay. I should have left 10 minutes earlier, but I didn't. So next time I'm going to try to be better. And next time I'm going to not be in this situation, but right now, what can I do? Can I call and tell them I'll be late? Which is our number four reason is chronic lateness. And it comes from a tendency of always saying yes to too many people and activities. Like, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And I have a problem doing that. I'll look at my calendar. Like my cousin asked me if I would babysit her son for a little bit today. And she always helps me out with my kids. So I was like, okay, let me look at my calendar. I'm like, okay, if I move this call to 11 instead of 11.30, I can then have him come over at 12 and he can stay until 1.45. And then I have my call at two. And I like sandwiched him in between all of these calls and was like, yes, he can come over. I can watch him. And I figured it out. Now, sometimes do you have to do that in life? Of course. You know, sometimes life, you have to work it out. You have to figure things out. But you can't be saying yes and just overcrowding your life because you can't say no and you have no boundaries because that will lead to all of these things that will lead you into the valley, leave you depleted, leaving you feeling like you need more, you need more, you, you don't have any time for what you need. So this is where the culture glorifies, oh, you're a hot mess, <laughs> hot mess express right here. And we say it like it's like it's cool, like, oh, I'm just a hot mess over here. No, you're actually a mess. It's not hot. It's not attractive. You're a mess. It's 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 not influential in a good way. You're not being a good role model to the people around you. Being busy doesn't mean you're productive. There is a right way and a wrong way to live. The right way is feeling inspired and energized as you execute your to-do list. This leads to achievement and a sense of fulfillment. And that's what all humans want. If you do it the wrong way, you're feeling constantly rushed, 
you're weighed down by other people's demands and expectations and you just can't catch up. There's so much to do. My list is never ending. I have so much to do. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm barely hanging on. It, you can be productive. You can have a busy schedule without feeling busy and overwhelmed the right way or the wrong way. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing it the wrong way. I feel constantly rushed and weighed down by everything that I have to do. What also happens when I'm busy and I'm rushed is I'm triggered. So when I feel rushed to do something, I'm very impatient with my family and I snap on them. So like my four-year-old, you know, I'm like, let's go. We have to leave. So what does she do? She goes in her room and she starts packing up all of her babies. Okay, we're just taking your sister to school to drop her off. You don't need all your babies and your diaper bag and all your stuff for your baby. Like get in the car, please. And when we're rushed and I didn't plan for my call and I woke up late and I'm stressed out because we needed to leave three minutes ago, I am not going to have a lot of patience with my daughter and I'm going to snap on her. And I'm going to grab her arm and I'm going to tell her to get her butt in the car. And she's probably going to be crying. And then when she cries, she pukes. So now I have a crying, puking toddler in my car. I'm driving my other daughter to school. Do you think I'm going to run a successful wake up podcast episode that day? No. Do you think I'm going to be respectful and in a great mood with my husband that day? Absolutely not. In fact, I'll probably start canceling stuff I have because I'm not in the mood to deal with it sorry, I can't do my coaching call with you. You don't even want to talk to me right now because I'm in a bad mood. And it's because I'm triggered. And so I realized this was a huge thing for me. I was so chronically late to everything. Every single thing I was like five minutes late to. And five minutes late is annoying to be late because you could have been there on time. It's literally five minutes. So I just thought that this is something you were born with. Like you either were on time or you weren't. That's the type of person you were. My friend April taught me that it's actually not just how you're wired, but it's a choice of saying, I'm going to be on time and planning and preparing and, and start pretending like you need to leave 15 minutes early than you do. If you need to leave at 10, 15 to get to an appointment, put it in your mind that you need to leave at 10 and leave as close to 10 as you possibly can. And then you don't have to rush. And you don't have to stress out when you get stopped at a train or the fifth red light in a row or behind this old grandpa who's driving so slow. You know, you're like, oh, look how cute he is. Like you have a different mindset. And literally like, that was the easiest thing that she taught me how to do. And it, it changed my whole life. I was like, this is insane. This has helped me so much. But you know, no one ever sat on their deathbed wishing they had been busier. You hear these interviews and these stories about people who've lived long lives and they're now dying. And it's like, what's your biggest regret? What's, what's your biggest thing you wish? And they all say like, I wish I would have spent more time with the people that mattered. I wish I would have been more present. I wish I would have been happier. I wish I would have worked less, been less stressed out. No one's like, I wish, you know, I really wish I would have been busier in my life. Like nobody says that. No one ever came to the end of their day begging for more time to do things that didn't matter. Like, I really wish there was 26 hours in the day so I could be on Facebook more. Or I really wish there was 28 hours in the day because I want to, you know, it's like, that's not ever something that you want. At the end of the day, you're like, man, I really wish there was 30 hours in the day because I could do so much more. I could have gotten things done with my house. I could have spent more time with my kids. I could have been more present. I could have slowed down. But we were given 24 hours on purpose. Think about that. And if you ever find yourself saying, I wish there was more time in a day, thank God you're not God because your whole life would be way more miserable than it is now. But we were given 24 hours in a day, half, half light and half darkness. And that's what we were given on purpose. God gave us 24 hours in the day. Read Genesis chapter one and read a couple chapters and see how God created this world on purpose. He separated the light from the darkness. He put 24 hours in one day for us. He knew that's how much time we needed. And thinking about life back then versus life now, back then in Jesus's time, I mean, there was literally nothing else that even existed besides where are you getting your food? 
to take care of your family? Where are you getting your shelter and food? And your relationship with God. Those four things are all you cared about. There was no time for entertainment. There was no time to take your mind off of things. There was no time. I mean, you literally were like, how am I going to eat? How am I going to provide? Where am I going to live? It was a full-time job. You didn't just get to go in your fridge and think, do I want avocado toast with eggs this morning? Or do I want an omelet? Like that wasn't even an option. And so nowadays we have simplified life so much. It made it so convenient that you can make a meal and eat dinner in an hour Back then, it was like, you need to go hunting, you need to find the animal, you need to kill it, you need to prepare it, you need to cook it, you need to, all of these things that you had to do. Life is so different now. You just put it in the microwave for 30 seconds and out pops a Hot Pocket and you can eat it. Now, is that going to lead to illness? Yeah, it is. Because our microwave society is making us sick because we want it faster. If I can, if I can get these things done faster, I can do more. And we think if we have more, we'll feel better. There's a lot of stuff on here that I kind of just wrote off the top of my mind, things that I felt lately where it comes to more. Uh, the more you have, the more time it takes away from you to maintain it. So like you have a house, you have a boat, you have a car, you have all these kids. Well, now you have to take care of the house. You have to take care of the car. You have to take care of the boat. You have to take care of all these kids. If the more you have, the more it takes away from you because now you have to also maintain it. The more you have, the more you want. You're like, okay, and now I have all this stuff. What else do I want? And it's, it's this never ending thing. It's not like once I get these things, I'll be fine. No, once you get the house, now you want stuff for the house. And once you have stuff for the house, now you want new things for the house. And now you want stuff for yourself. And it just, it never stops. Thinking more will make you feel more fulfilled, happier, successful will not work ever. And this is something I had to find out the hard way. I hope you don't have to find this out the hard way like I did. But if you're stubborn like me, you probably will have to find that out the hard way. <laughs> but focused on worldly things keeps you chained to the world because now you have to keep working. So if you become so obsessed with all these things that you want and all this stuff and having more and more and more and be busier, 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 now you just have to keep affording it. Now you have a house to pay for. You can't just stop. Now you have a boat to pay for. You can't just stop. Now you have this credit card you have to pay off. You can't just stop. You know, like with the holidays coming up, so many people just think like, I need to spend all this money. The majority of people in America go crazy into debt on credit cards, buying gifts for people just so they look good. Like, what is that? You know, meanwhile, all these people are starving to death in the world. And we're just like giving and giving and giving and giving, and giving our kids and our family and all just tons of stuff that they do not even need. You're living your life to afford stuff, have stuff, fit in and work for the world. You have no time to actually do what you love. And you have no money to do what you love either because you're compulsively spending. And I say compulsively because it's like, I want it. I got it. Like the Ariana Grande song. I don't know if you guys know the song, but it's like, I want it. I got it. I like it. I buy it. Like, you're just like, oh, yep, I want that. Oh, I love that shirt. Yep. I'm going to get it. And you're just doing all this and you're compulsively spending money and all the things you want and like. And so you have no time for the things that you love. You're focused so much on temporal things, you're not even thinking about eternity at all. And you're too busy to focus on the things that actually matter and to prioritize them. And you're wondering why you feel like garbage. It is not rocket science here. This is not something that's like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, this is literally what God says. This is, he tells you to live this way so you have a better life. He says, live my way, you will have a fruitful, abundant life. Don't live my way and you're going to have a hard life. And this is what I see. And I can see this in people that I coach and talk to who are just so drained. They come to me and they're like, I'm just so miserable. I'm so down in the dumps. I'm in the deepest pit. I don't know what to do. And you're there because you're living for the world. And your soul was created and only to be satisfied by Jesus Christ. It's the truth. And if you are not getting your satis 
satisfaction from Jesus, there is no satisfaction. That's why you feel like you're walking around without a soul. That's why you're so miserable. And this is how the devil gets us with generational sin and curses. Because if he can get you like this, and as you raise your kids, your kids watch this happen in you, you don't even have to explain it to them. They're just going to watch it. They're going to be like, yeah, my mom, always late. Yep, hot mess. Never did what she was supposed to. Always running around, always depressed. You know, my mom was chronic ill. All these things, when they grow up, chances are the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And whether they like it or not, they're going to just be like you. And then they're going to have kids. And they're just going to raise them up the same way. You're going to breed chronic illness through your generations. You're going to breed lack of self-care in your generations. It's just what happens. And the devil is just winning over here. Like, yes, I got her. You know, he doesn't have to kill everyone off in your family and, and cripple you and destroy every single thing. He just needs to make you busy. And just like, okay, I got to go. I have so much to do. I have so much to do. I have so much to do. And you feel like you're working so good and you feel like you're doing something, but you're really not because you're not focusing on what's important. So another thing that happens, um, well, I do, I do want to tell you with, with chronic lateness um, real quick here. So the only way to live a happy and successful life is to stop being busy and to start prioritizing. Okay, that is the key here that I want you to understand. And I actually have a journal prompt for you. So if you don't journal, you need to get yourself a journal. Go to the dollar store, get a blank notebook and write journal on the front. And this is going to be your journal. And as you listen to this podcast, I do give a lot of journal prompts. I'm actually putting together a seven day journaling to change your life series right now um, that you can opt in for free and get my emails and set over seven days, you'll get seven journal prompts. And these are things that really have changed my life, writing these things down, because we need to take a minute and we need to pull these things out of our mind and put them on paper so that we can see them. So my journal prompt for you is what are your priorities and how can you fit them into your day first? So what are your priorities and how can you fit them into your day first? And you can think of a couple priorities or a bunch of priorities, but let me tell you your very first priority, no matter who you are, what season of life you're in, your very first priority needs to be to make time for prayer, to make your requests known to God, because he will help you through the Holy Spirit to change the things about yourself that you do not like. So pray to God. God, I hate that I'm always late. I hate that I'm always busy. I hate that I'm always stressed out. I don't know how you're going to do it, but here you go. I'm giving you full permission. Help me to change. Help me to prioritize my family more. Help me to prioritize time with you. Help me to say no when I want to say yes. Help me to set good boundaries. I don't know what that looks like. Help me to do it. If you're not praying for God to make a, a way for you and to help you, you're robbing yourself of the number one best tool ever, ever. Because you don't have to do this alone. And that's when you start experiencing God. So when you start praying, God, I know that I'm a people pleaser. I know I have bad boundaries. Help me develop good boundaries. Bring me a book, a person, a something. Help me in some way. And you watch. Things about boundaries will start popping up all over the place. You'll be on Instagram and an ad will come up for a book called Boundaries. Or you're talking to someone and they start telling you, you know what I've learned about boundaries lately? Or you'll be at church and they'll start talking about boundaries. This is God answering your prayer you will start to experience this. Or like what I told my son last night, he was opening up and talking to me about, he has a lot of pride and it's hard for him to not have the last word. And he knows that he needs to just shut his mouth and be respectful, but he can't. And so I said, this is a perfect example and a perfect way to experience God. You can't do it on your own. So pray that God shuts your mouth for you. 
pray that the Holy Spirit comes over you and helps you to be more respectful and tell God, I know I can't do this on my own. I need you to do it. So show up and help me out. And then when you start to experience that happening, like when you're in, a, I told them when you're in an argument with someone or your teacher is telling you something and you want to like lash out and say something, all of a sudden you won't. And you'll immediately think like, wow, I can't believe I didn't just say something back. And you'll experience God. He will reward you for being obedient and it'll make you want to come back for more because you're like, what else can God do through me? Because the goal is to become more like Jesus, not because you're working hard to do it, because you're praying and God is changing you. You're relying on the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus. Jesus doesn't judge. Jesus isn't critical. Jesus isn't in a bad mood. Jesus isn't stressed out. Jesus wasn't gossiping. Jesus wasn't self-coping. Jesus wasn't self-medicating. You know, Jesus wasn't doing those things. He was focused on other people. He was serving. He spent his time first with God. We're supposed to be more like Jesus because we'll have a more fruitful life. You will feel better. You will produce fruitful generations to come with your kids if you follow Christ's plan. So um, that's your journal prompt. I want you to do that. Don't just skip past it. You need to write down, what are my priorities? Prayer is one, time with God is another. What are the rest of your priorities in your life? And, and your work, your career can be a priority. That's okay. I'm not saying not to work. Obviously you need to make a living. So that can be a priority. You need to write down some of your priorities on there. <clears throat> Productive people live longer, they're healthier and they live more fulfilling lives. Busy people who passively fill up their lives with distractions, they live short, stressful, and exhausted lives. Busy people have mental breakdowns. They become emotionally burnt out. They're routinely manipulated by other people. Choose. Choose which one you want. You can be productive or you can be busy. You need to prioritize what you're doing to be productive in the right way. So number five is self-medicating in excess. So this is not considered self-care, okay? So like when you're stressed out and you're like, I just need a margarita, that is not self-care, okay? That's self-medicating. And a lot of times I'll tell myself like, I deserve this. Like, I'll, like my mom made me this homemade apple pie that was delicious. And my husband and I ate the whole thing in like three days. And I last night I was like, we were finishing it last night. I'm like, you know what? Like we've, we deserve this. And I was like, no, we don't. We don't deserve this. Like, what are we a dog? Like, oh, I was a good boy this week. I deserve it. Like, no, you're, you know, like you're not a dog. Stop thinking that you deserve these treats or I deserve Taco Bell. I deserve to eat this pizza. I deserve, no, you don't. You know, really, we don't deserve anything. We really, what we really do deserve, you don't want. It's not self-care to self-medicate. So you need to ask yourself this because there's a difference between having a margarita and it's fine. You know, if, if God hasn't convicted you that your drinking is a problem and even he drank wine. So I'm not saying that drinking is bad, but ask yourself this question. Am I using this to escape reality? To try to numb my emotions, to try to numb how I feel. Are you? Because if you are, then that's not a good thing. Are you stuffing yourself because you just want to feel better and you want to feel full? And so you're doing that and you're just overeating. Can you eat apple pie and it not be a sin? Of course. But can you eat it and it be gluttony? Yes. Are you going to be perfect? No. Are you going to find yourself eating an entire apple pie? Probably. You know, and it's, you know, if you don't, then you might find yourself drinking a six pack of your drink of choice. Or, you know, overindulging in a different way, blowing money, taking your credit card out and just buying stuff. You're at Target and you're buying stuff. You probably don't need a lot of stuff. You probably have a lot of stuff. But what we think we need and what we actually need are different. So if you have a problem with just overbuying and overspending, and a lot of moms do this with their kids, like, I want them to have new clothes. I think they need new boots. I think they need a new jacket. I think they need this. They have hand-me-downs, but I would like this instead. If you find yourself doing that, pray that God changes you. 
changes your desires, changes your spirit so that you don't do this anymore and that you're happy and content with hand-me-downs. Your kids are. You're the one who actually isn't. You're the one that's like, what can I get him for Christmas? You know, like, stop. You're a good enough mom. You don't need to be doing that all the time. And you don't need to be self-medicating. Self-medicating is not going to help you. And I was a huge self-medicator. I would do anything. I would smoke weed. I would drink. I would overeat. I'd have sex with random people. I've done it all to try to feel better and to self-medicate. And none of it worked at all. None of it. It just actually left me feeling worse. My emotions were more out of control. I felt more sick. It made me late because I wasn't organized. It literally led to me putting myself in this valley. And all of these things can kind of put the, put you in the valley all by themselves. So when you add them all together, it's like, whoa, hold on. You're doing all seven of these things. It's a lot more impactful in a negative way than just doing a couple. But number six is neglecting important relationships. So you're kind of just always letting people down around you. And when I was working a lot at my career in sales and marketing, this was a huge one for me. And I, I heard things like this. You never have time for us anymore. Do you have to check your email at dinner? Um, um, mom, can you pick me up on time today? Because I'm embarrassed that you're always the last one to pick me up at school. You know, these things where you're neglecting these important relationships. I never had time for my sisters, ever, never. My one sister lives in Florida, never had time to talk to her, ever. My phone would ring, it was her. I'm like, dude, I cannot talk. I'm so busy right now. I have so much to do. I cannot just chat on the phone. And actually how sad because God placed us in each other's lives as sisters for a reason. There's a reason you were born into your family, in the town you're in, in your community, at the time you were born, in your birth order, because God had a plan for your life. You know, we forget that. We're just like, oh, I'm so busy and I have so much stuff to do. And, and really, those relationships are the ones that are most important. A lot of us are focused on impacting the world. And you don't even think about impacting your own family. So God placed you where he placed you for a reason. You have influence over these people. My prayer too has been, Lord, bring me more people to impact. Bring me more people. That's my prayer. Always bring me more people. Bring me more people. And over the last week, when God really revealed this less is more to me, I was like, I don't need more people. I don't need more people because I can't even mentor and help the people enough that are in my life. Now, now that I'm in this ministry at my church and I've gotten really involved in my church, I stopped being a consumer and I actually was like, I'm going to be a leader here and I'm going to step up and I'm going to intentionally build relationships and I'm going to pour into people and I'm going to empower them and encourage these people at my church. I am so busy with that now. That's not even the prayer I should be praying. I don't need more people to impact because that prayer is coming from a place of, I want to feel better. I want more people to approve of me. I, I want more people. I need more people. I need more people. No, I don't. I don't need more people. I need to focus on what I have and taking good care of what I already have. You're praying for more money. No, you probably need to take care of the money you have. Where are you spending your money? If you're blowing your money like I was and your prayer is, God, bring me more money. Bless me with more money. You're not even tithing. You're not even helping anyone in your community with the money that you have. You really think God's going to bless you with more? You know, I said a really deep prayer this morning. I woke up and I was deep in meditation. And I said, Lord, give me the numbers to the Powerball. And I promise you, if I win that $2 billion, I promise you. I will do great things with it. And I was like, show me the numbers, Lord, just pop them into my brain. Show me the numbers. And, you know, although that uh, it's funny, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully I win and God, and God shows me, I'll share some of my wealth with you guys. But I'm like, you know, really like God's like, really? Like you think if you win $2 billion, like you're going to do the right thing with it because you haven't done the right thing with the hundred dollars that you got. You haven't done the right thing with a thousand dollars. You got all of a sudden you're going to get 2 billion. You're like, I promise I'll do the right things. No, you won't. You won't. You need to, that's being in God's will is taking good care of what he's already blessed you with. And that includes your relationships. 
stop praying for more friends and more people to be around you when you're neglecting the people who need you now because you're just so busy for them. Being available for the people who need you. That's a huge thing, being available. I've been trying to make myself more available to my kids. And it's incredible the things that they tell me and just the way they open up because I'm there and they can talk to me and the talking leads to something bigger. Like being available last night, talking to my son, if I was working and if I was busy on my computer, or I was busy doing something else, he wouldn't have started talking to me. But because I was just in the kitchen when he was and we started talking, he opened up and told me about all of this amazing stuff. And it was a total answer to my prayer because I've been praying that God softens his heart. I've been praying that God, that he experiences God on a deep level. And he brought him to me. And because I was available for these important relationships, you know, I was able to impact him in a good way. You know, this life might not be about you. And that's hard to hear. I felt like I was always made for more, but God had something big in store for me. And I was going to change the world and something big was going to happen. And the more I go through my days, the more I think maybe my kids are going to change the world. Maybe my kids are going to be a huge change. And it's not going to be me, but because of how I raise them and how I push them and how I showed them how to live, that's what made them into the people they're supposed to be to change the world. Maybe it's not me, but maybe it's about what I do through someone else. You know, number seven is neglecting God. That's how you know you're busy. You're neglecting God. You're not spending time with him. So this is something that I brand new to me that I just learned. I heard God leaves things undone so that you have to spend more time with him to finish the project. So he like gives you part of this, like, okay, I, I need to do this. Like for me, it was like, I'm going to start a podcast and I know that I'm going to start a podcast and I'm just going to start speaking. I don't really know what's going to happen after that. Am I going to be a motivational speaker? Am I going to be an author? Am I going to tour the world? Am I going like, what am I going to do with this? I have a missing piece of the puzzle. God wants me to come to him and rely on him. God lead me guide me, help me, direct me. Now, this isn't a flaw that you can't figure it out on your own. It's by glorious design for you to realize our need for him. Like We need God to help us in our life. You cannot be the parent you need to be without asking him for help. You cannot have the day and be on the path and get the guidance and direction if you're not talking to him. It, the number one thing you need to do is spend time with God. And what's crazy is this week, I feel, so I've been feeling really stuck in my career, like not really stuck because I'm okay with the timing. And I know that God's timing is the right timing, but I've just been like, God, like what is next? Like, what is the, like, wh where should I be focusing? I have all these ideas and all this stuff. And I want to make an impact and I want to speak into the lives of people, but how am I going to do it? Am I going to focus on teens? Am I going to focus on moms? Am I going to focus on women? Am I going to focus on my book? Do I need to, all of these different things. And I'm like, where, where do I need to go? And I have this in me, this desire of like, what's next? So I cleared my schedule, took everything off my to-do list and spent time with God. I got more accomplished this week than in the last month which is crazy because I took everything off my to-do list. But what it ended up happening is God led me to this book. I started reading this book and I'm like, this, this is totally where I've been at. I've been focusing on more, not less. I've been focusing on being busy, not slowing down and being still, which I remembered, oh yeah, I forgot. I already knew this. I learned that the first step is to believe with everything you have, that you are chosen and anointed. You are who God says you are. It took me about a year and a half to truly believe that. I just started believing that a few months ago. Like really, really, really believe it. I would be like, yeah, I believe in God's word. I believe he said it, but like me? And I would still, my actions would show that I doubted that. So I wouldn't take risks. I wouldn't take chances. God would tell me to do something. I wouldn't do it because I'd be scared and fearful and anxious and worried and stressed and 
so when I finally believed that and took the actions where I was like, I am chosen and I am anointed, the very next thing that God told me I need to do is be still, be still, stop running around, stop making to-do lists, stop trying to do it all on your own, be still. So when I became still, which means I spent more time with God, read my Bible, watched sermons and took notes, prayed, meditated, journaled, did devotionals or studies, went to church functions. This is what be still means. You're doing things all around Christ. He put this book and I watched a sermon. This is how it works. Okay. These are breadcrumbs. So I was like, what am I going to do? I was making breakfast. I'm going to pull up a sermon. I went on YouTube. I, the sermon popped up. It was by Christine Kane, who I've never heard speak before. Watch this sermon. It was so good. All about like looking forward, stop looking back. She was talking about Lot's wife. Very good. And then on Instagram, I saw this girl make a reel and she read an excerpt out of this book that the foreword was written by Christine Kane. And I was like, did she say Christine Kane? I wonder if that's the same woman who I just watched the sermon by for the first time. Okay, Christine Kane named two times in a row. Why is Christine Kane popping up all of a sudden? So I got this book on Audible. I started listening to it. I'm like, this is everything that I needed to do. And her book is very similar to the book I'm writing. And it motivated me to write my book. And I wrote two chapters of my book this week, which is something that I've been beating myself up over. I know God wants me to write, but I haven't been prioritizing the time because I have so much stuff to do. So I actually got more work done, felt more motivated and inspired at the end of the week. And things went faster because I relied on God. Now the world tells us we need to work to have stuff, but God says you need to be still and talk to me and I will just give you the stuff. So one thing I want to say, we're almost done here, is a church function was on this list of being still. And I know that there are a lot of people listening to this podcast who still don't belong to a church. And let me tell you, you do not have to go to church to be saved and to be a good enough Christian. Okay, you're never going to be good enough. But let's just say you're like, okay, I, I do I need to go to church to follow Christ? Like, I don't need to be in church to go to heaven. No, of course not. But you also don't have to go home to your house to be married. You know, you don't have to go home at night or ever, and you'll still be married. But in both cases, your relationship is going to suffer. So I just want to tell you from experience, if you're not plugged into a church, a physical, and a church is not the building. The church is the people. It's a group of people that are following Christ, holding each other accountable, learning together influencing each other, keeping your focus on the right thing, all going in a direction toward Christ. If you're not a part of the body of Christ, you're in the world. I don't know what you do because if I'm not plugged into my church, I'm not doing things that I should be doing. If I'm in the world, I'm at parties where people are drinking, they're smoking, there's bad music. I'm, I'm not doing things that I should be doing. And that's not moving me in the right direction. It's moving me in the wrong direction. When you spend time with God, you feel better. Your emotions are more in control. You start taking care of yourself. You start having the energy to do stuff. You start feeling better because you're taking care of yourself. You're not stressed and you're getting rest. You don't need to self-medicate because you're spending time with God. And you stop trying to manage your sin. That's a big thing we do. Like, okay, like I'm not going to drink. Okay, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to drink this weekend. I'm not going to drink. And all you focus on is managing your sin. Instead of focusing on managing your sin, I want you to start focusing on growing closer to God because the more time you spend with someone, the more you start acting like them. You know, we all know that we teach our kids that like bad company corrupts good character. Hey, the more time you spend with God, what ends up happening is you start becoming more like him and means that you start sinning less. So you don't have to manage your sin. Just focus on spending more time with God and you will stop desiring these things as much. You won't feel like having a drink. Now, sometimes will you? Yeah. It, it's not going to, you know, be perfect. Don't worry about perfection, but you need to start prioritizing the things that matter. Spending time with God means that you're hitting your goals faster, means that you're becoming the person who he wants you to be faster. 
So if maybe you need to take a week off like I did, maybe your life can't give you a week off, but you can clear some things out of your plate. There might be some things that you're doing where you're like, I really don't need to be doing this. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. So just because you can volunteer at your kid's school doesn't mean that you should. Just because you can help out and take up the extra shifts at work doesn't mean you have to. Now, where is your priorities? If you're not prioritizing your time with God, then I could almost guarantee that all, all seven of these signs you have. And I know how you feel because I felt like you felt. And I know what it feels like to be like that. Stop trying to do so much. Less is more. And focus on your priorities. You will start to feel better. So if you have any of these seven signs, this is a newsflash for you. 911 warning. Stop what you're doing and pivot. Make a change. We're able to do that anytime we want to. We have free will. So take a moment. Get with God after this podcast is over, take a minute and talk to God and tell him that you need help and tell him you're going to prioritize him. And if you need help with like how to do that, you can listen to my podcast episode 40 is on time with God. And if you have questions about what devotionals or Bibles or whatever to do, just send me a message on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi. And I will be more than happy to send you a message back and tell you what I, what I recommend um, for different things that you're going through. So you are not alone. Okay. You're not alone. I felt alone. I didn't have a podcast to listen to. I had God to listen to, which he led me and helped me out in the best way possible. But now I want to be that person for you that takes a hold of your hand and says, come this way, stop doing it this way that the world says, this is why you feel so bad. And if you want to find your purpose, this is where purpose is burst out of spending more time with God, getting rid of busy you will eventually start to see your purpose unfold before your eyes. That's when you feel fulfilled. That's when you're the parent you need to be. That's when you're the wife you need to be. That's when your life literally becomes so abundant and fruitful. You can't even believe that it's the same life that you once lived. You have that opportunity. You have that potential in your life because you were created on purpose for it. So don't let the devil get behind you and scare you or push you. And if he can't make you bad, he can make you busy. So don't let him make you busy. But thank you for being here. Love you guys so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.